Well, today we're concluding our message series, Prayerful Living. In this series, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, and we're going through it line by line, and we're discovering the Lord's Prayer is not only an outline for prayer, it's also an outline for living life with God. Today we're going to be talking about living in God's protection. And why do we need protection? Well, we need protection because we have an enemy, an enemy named Satan, and he's out to destroy you. He's out to render you ineffective in your life for God. And so each and every one of us, if we're a believer here this morning, has an enemy. And so the petition we're going to be looking at for the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew 6, verse 13. I'd encourage you to take out the white page that's in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline there. Let's see if my bulletin has one. Yes, it does. Very good. Uh, it has an outline and uh, the verse is written out. I encourage you to pull that out, take some notes. And this is a, something good for you to, during your daily quiet time with God, to look back at what was uh, taught in the message on Sunday so that you can apply it to your life throughout the week. If you just hear it on Sunday morning and you go away by Monday, uh, most of it is kind of drifted out of your conscious thought. But if you look at it every day of the week to some degree and put into practice what God is teaching you, then you're going to be blessed. Matthew 6 verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So in the first part of this petition, we're asking God to protect us from temptations that we might fall into, any temptation that would be too strong for us to resist. And so we're asking in the Lord's Prayer really for God to fulfill His promise about temptation, which I like how it's described in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. God's Word says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So first of all, this verse tells us that the temptations we face are common to man. You can't use the excuse, I'm being tempted like nobody else has ever been tempted in history. This temptation is so strong. No, you can't use that. The temptations you're tempted with, everybody else is tempted with as well. Now, of course, we tend to think our temptation is so strong that we can't resist, or we resort to the line, the devil made me do it. Uh, well, the devil doesn't make you do anything. The devil doesn't have power over your life. The truth of the matter is found in this verse. If we seek God's help in temptation, God will not allow any temptation to come upon us that's too strong for us, that's so strong that we cannot resist. In fact, God promises that he's going to make a way to escape the temptation. There's a route of escape. When we're faced with a temptation, it looks like there's no way out. God promises here, I'm going to make a way for you to escape that temptation and not give in to it. And so whenever you're tempted, God, where's the way of escape? I'm looking for it and he will show you and you'll be able to resist that temptation. The second part of the petition in the Lord's Prayer is that that we're looking at this morning is deliver us from the evil one. The evil one is Satan, sometimes referred to in the scripture as the devil. And he's behind each and every temptation. He seeks to enslave you as if you would give in to temptation, if you would sin. You become enslaved to those temptations and those, and those sins. And so in our prayer, we're asking God to deliver us from any and all 
bondage, any and all oppression from the enemy. Now, what have we learned about how often we are to pray the themes or the petitions of the Lord's Prayer? Every day. Give us this day our daily bread. The prayer, uh, these, not to pray the prayer route wise, but to pray the principles of the prayer are to be prayed each and every day. So we're to pray for God's protection from the enemy each and every day, for God to deliver us from temptation. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so we can only stand strong against the devil's schemes, against his temptations in God's power. He is the one who can protect you. He is the one who can defend you. He is the one who can help you to resist temptation. And yet, the Lord's protection is not automatic. We saw in the Lord's Prayer, we need to pray. We need to ask for help. It's not automatic. You're not automatically protected. God says, in James, you don't have because you don't ask. Wow, do I really need to pray that prayer? You know, of course he's good. No, you need to pray it. You need to pray it and believe it. Or it's not going to happen. I mean, God in his mercy may protect you some, but if you don't pray, you're going to forfeit some of God's protection. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the full armor. There's things that we have to do in order to be able to stand against the devil's schemes. And so we need to pray, we need to ask for his protection and deliverance on a daily basis. So let's look a little more closely at how we can live in God's protection. Because if we fall up in temptation, we step outside of God's protection. We fall into temptation, our armor has a chink in it. So how can we live in God's protection? Well, we need to respond to temptation God's way. Let's look a little more about what the Bible teaches us about temptation in James chapter 1. It says, Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it or sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. And so the battleground of temptation is the thoughts in our minds. That's where the spiritual warfare is won or lost. That's where temptations are resisted or given into. Satan can inject thoughts into your mind that tempt you to sin. Those thoughts originate in the pits of hell. And if you continue to think about those thoughts, if you continue to consider those temptations, eventually you're going to succumb to it. And so Satan plays on our own evil desires to tempt us. Now, it's not a sin to be tempted. Some people get all been out of shape and say, where am I getting these horrible thoughts from? I must be an awful person. Well, the temptation itself is not a sin. Jesus himself was tempted. The perfect son of God was tempted by Satan. The sin comes when we give in to the temptation. And if we continue to live a life of sin, if we continue to sin, uh, sin grows up within us and the end result is death, eternal separation from God if we would continue to live a life of sin. 
So how do we respond to Satan's temptations? Well, we need to keep our thoughts fixed on God. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, if you're thinking about the things mentioned on, in this verse, are you going to be thinking about ways to sin? Are you going to be thinking about ways to uh, step away from God? No, you're thinking about God. You're fixing your thoughts on God. And so the key to victory, both before to prepare yourself and during a temptation, is to think about the things of God. To think about the positive things that God wants you to be thinking about. The positive things that God wants you to be doing in your life. Not thinking about this temptation. Sometimes, you know, people <clears throat> try to resist temptation by saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do X. I'm not going to do X. I'm not X. X. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, maybe X isn't so bad. You keep thinking about X that you're not going to do. Eventually, you're going to fall into it. It's like the famous saying, you know, don't think about elephants. Okay, what are you all thinking about? Everybody has an elephant in their mind. I'm not going to think about elephants. I'm not going to think about elephants. And all I'm seeing is an elephant. But fix your thoughts on God, not on resisting the temptation. That's the key to victory. Times of temptation reject the lies of the enemy. Every temptation is a lie. Ephesians 6 talks about the fiery arrows of the enemy. And we resist those fiery arrows, the lies of the enemy, the temptations are with the shield of faith. Every temptation is a lie. The first temptation to Eve in the Garden of Eden was a lie. If you eat this, you will not surely die. That was a lie. And the temptations we face today are, oh, this is going to be very pleasurable. And it's not going to cause any harm at all. Those are all lies. And as we put up the shield of faith, we can reject those lies. And we think about the truth and the promises of God. Not only must our thoughts be fixed on God, we must offer our bodies to God. Romans 6.19 says, I put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them, the parts of your body, in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. And so the normal process of, of falling away from God, it begins with engaging in the tempter's ideas in our, in our brains, in our minds, in our thoughts. We begin to think about this temptation. And we may resist it initially, but there's a pull to the temptation. We're pulled towards it. And we keep thinking about it. And when we begin to agree with that idea, we begin to think about doing it and what the benefits would be of doing it. And, and so we maximize the benefits of the temptation. We minimize the results or the consequences of the temptation. Satan does this for you. You know, you shall not surely die. That's the consequence. We say, that's not going to be so bad. Everybody's doing it. And ultimately, usually we carry out those thoughts with our bodies. We do something. We drink something we shouldn't. Uh, 
we do something with our bodies we shouldn't. We look at something that we shouldn't. We say something that we shouldn't. And so many times the sin is actually carried out with our bodies. And so in this verse from Romans, Paul says, unbelievers offer the parts of their bodies. We have a lot of different body parts, don't we? They offer the parts of their bodies as slaves to impurity and wickedness. When you sin, that's what you are doing. You're offering your body to impurity and wickedness. You're offering your body to be used by Satan to carry out his, his schemes in your own life and, of course, to influence other people around you to do the same thing. Because when you sin, it doesn't just affect you. It affects people around you as well. And so as believers, God's Word tells us in this verse, not only should our thoughts be fixed on God, but we should daily offer the parts of our body to be used by God for righteousness. God, today I offer you my eyes, I offer you my ears, I offer you my hands, my feet, my heart, my, all of me, I offer it to you to be used only for you, for righteousness. And when temptation comes, no, I'm not going to use my mouth to gossip. I'm not going to use my mouth to run that brother down. No, I'm not going to use my eyes to look on something that is not edifying, that is not pure, that is not true, that is not noble. We offer our bodies to God. As believers, we count ourselves dead to sin. Romans 6.11, a few verses before in the chapter, in the same way, con consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And what does a dead person respond to? Nothing. The answer is nothing. A dead person responds to absolutely nothing. And if we are to count ourselves dead to sin, that means we are to count ourselves unresponsive to temptation. Temptation comes, Jesus was dead to sin. He was unresponsive to temptation. And temptations came, he never gave in to the temptation and we should be the same. When we're tempted, we need to think in our heads, I'm dead to that. That has no pull on me. I'm dead to those desires. I'm not going to give in to them. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I'm a new creation. I live to please God. I live to honor God with my body and the parts of my body. I live to honor God with my mind and the thoughts in my mind. I live to do God's will, not give in to temptation. I live to follow Jesus, not to follow Satan and his schemes. And as you pray daily to escape temptation, as you pray daily to be delivered from evil, you die more and more to sin's temptations. Now, I think because this petition in the Lord's Prayer is so important, it's, it's probably the one we pray the least, isn't it? Which one do we pray the most in the Lord's Prayer? What do you think? Yeah, I give today what I need. I got a lot of needs today, God, and I need a lot of bread today and a little money wouldn't hurt. And I just need all this stuff. That's what our prayers seem to be pretty much comprised of if we're not careful. But there are other things. We're not going through all of them. But this is an important one. God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And finally, to approach temptation God's way, we need to look to our eternal reward. Let's look at an example of Moses, Hebrews 11.24. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy, catch this, 
the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because, and catch this, he was looking ahead to his reward. And so what is there about sin that tempts us? What tempts us is the momentary pleasures of sin. Sin has a pleasure for a moment, for a brief period of time. But it is very short-lived. The long-term effects of sin are terrible. They interrupt our relationship with God. They bring God's judgment into our lives. There are consequences when we sin. And they ultimately, if we continue to sin, lead to its spiritual death in eternity. Now we see in these scriptures that Moses was tempted to enjoy the sinful pleasures in Egypt. You see, he was the adopted daughter of adopted son of the Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, this was the reigning world power. What do you think existed in the palace? These were pagans. All kinds of illicit pleasures were there for taking because he was one of the rulers of Egypt. And no one would have thought anything of it. Everybody thought he was one of the Pharaoh's sons. But Moses did not give in to the temptation. Rather, he chose to identify with the people of God who were not living in the palace. They were living as slaves. He chose to identify with the people of God and went through many years of difficulty and disgrace with them. And how was Moses able to do this? What does the scripture say? It says he was looking ahead to his reward in eternity. He was looking ahead to his reward with Christ. Moses saw that his long, the long-term reward for righteousness was far greater than the short-term pleasures of sin. So he weighed. Here's the short-term pleasures of sin. On this hand, this is the temptation. Looks kind of interesting, a little interesting. Over here is the long-term rewards in this life and in eternity forever and ever. Compare a little, with, a little time with forever and ever. Pleasures in the presence of God. Think, hey, you know, I think this is a whole lot better. I'm going to choose this. I'm going to say no to temptation and yes to what God has for me. And so we too must compare the short-term pleasures of sin with the eternal reward of God. There are rewards in this life for living righteously, which are far greater than the short-term pleasures of sin. And there are rewards of even greater magnitude in eternity in heaven for each believer who follows God and resists sin. So I'd like us to watch, uh, to kind of illustrate temptation and resisting temptation. I'd like us to watch a video reenactment of a scientific experiment that was done a number of years ago. I'll explain it in a few minutes. And it's called uh, the marshmallow test. And as we'll see, the, you don't catch it, the marshmallow represents temptation. Well, there's a lot of truth there uh, in temptation. Now, in this scientific study, it was done a number of years ago. Of course, I don't remember the exact number, but the children, some of the children resisted, delayed their gratification, others ate the marshmallow. What was interesting, the researchers followed the children for 40 years after this. This was done in the 70s. And in every single measurement that they measured, the child, the children that resisted, 
and uh, didn't eat the marshmallow were more successful in life, in test scores, in health, uh, in their marriages, in, every, in their jobs, their careers, in everything. And so what is the principle there? It's resisting the temporary uh, gratification and delaying it for something greater. And the spiritual application, of course, is resisting temptation, the momentary pleasures of sin, even though it, it looks uh, very pleasurable for the greater reward that God has for us, both in this life and in heaven. Now, how can you prepare your mind to resist temptation? How can it be prepared? Well, by spending time every day and reading your Bible and praying. Sound like a broken record, but it's so important. And that's how people begin to fall away from God. They don't spend daily time with God. And as we do, the temptation becomes more desirable and the eternal reward becomes less real to us. As we begin to go through life, just in what we can see, and we're not learning about the spiritual aspects of life, the things that we see, the marshmallows that Satan is dangling in front of us, look yummier and yummier. And we just taste a little bit, it's not too bad, and we keep looking at that marshmallow, and ultimately we begin to eat it. As we read God's Word, the reality of the blessings of making the right decision grow bigger in our minds, grow bigger in our spirits. As we read God's Word, the curses, the judgments of God on sin become bigger too. And we understand the consequences, not only of the reward that we would forfeit by sinning, but of the consequences of sin. God's Word says, don't be deceived. You reap what you sow. Why does God say that? Many people are deceived. They think they can sow and sin and not reap God's judgment. It's not true. And so with prayer, each and every day, God can equip us to resist temptation and to pursue righteousness in our own lives. We need to cooperate with God's power. Many people, including believers, have become enslaved to sin in different areas of their lives. They may try to keep it a secret, but you know when you're in bondage. God knows as well, and God wants to set you free from any bondage to sin that you have in your life. God is able to rescue you. 2 Timothy 4.18, Paul writes, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Satan just subjects every believer, not just Paul, every believer to evil attacks. But God is able to rescue you from them. He's able to bring you to his heavenly kingdom as you follow him. Sometimes people have been struggling with a particular bondage for years. They can't seem to break free. They may think they'll never be free. They think maybe God is not able to rescue them, but that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. That's how he keeps you in bondage. God is able to rescue you from any bondage to any sin that you may have in your life. You must first repent of that sin. James 4.8 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Freedom only comes as we draw near to God. As we draw near to God, He draws near to us. How do we draw near to God? Well, first of all, we repent of our sin. There's no freedom without repentance. We repent of the sin that's led us into bondage or that has caused the bad habit that we're bound to. What does it mean to repent? 
To repent means to admit that what you've done is wrong. To repent is to admit that you are responsible. Nobody else made you do it. The devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do wrong. To repent is to turn away from the sin, to renounce it, and to choose to pursue God rather than the sin. That's what repentance is all about. Uh, repentance is simply saying, you know, I'm sorry because this sin has some bad effects in my life. And I, you know, I'm sorry I got caught. That's not repentance. Repentance is, I'm sorry I sinned. I'm sorry I ever did it. I'll never do it again. If I had to do it over, I wouldn't have done it in the first place. That's what repentance is about. To repent is to purify your heart from double-mindedness. A double-minded person is like a person with a split personality. One day I'm fed up with my sin. I'm never going to do it again. The next day I do it again. And then I repent and I say I'm never going to do it again. And then I do it again. That's a double-minded person. We need to repent of that. That's not true repentance going back and forth. You haven't repented until you're out of that habit. And so we repent and ask God to set us free. Jesus said in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus wants to see each and every believer free to serve him. And so if your desire is to be free from a particular bondage, from a particular habit, from a particular sin, ask Jesus to set you free. Ask him. If you're not sure that you're ready to be free, some people kind of cling to their sins. Continue praying until you truly hate that sin. Hate that sin with a passion and are ready for God to set you free. And then resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submitting to God, that means bowing your knee to God, acknowledging Jesus as Lord of your life. That's saying, what Jesus tells me to do, I'm going to do. Where Jesus tells me to go, I'm going to go. When Jesus says, don't do this, I'm not going to do it. And after you submit your life to God, you're prepared to resist the devil, to resist his lies, to resist temptation. How do you resist the devil? Well, you resist the devil with the truth of God's word. How did Jesus resist Satan's temptations in the desert? With God's word. He knew God's word. He used it to fight back against the enemy. You resist the devil by not entertaining his thoughts in your mind. You resist the devil by telling him to get out of your life in Jesus' name. And that verse ends with a promise. It's, a, in fact, a conditional promise. If you submit yourself to God, if you resist the devil, then he will flee from you. You can tell the devil to go if you're submitted to God and if you're resisting him, and he must flee. His hold on your life will be broken, and you'll be set free. Now, when a person engages in, in a particular sin for a period of time, you become enslaved to that sin. And what do we call that? We usually call it an addiction. You know, it can be addiction to anything. You continue to do a sin, you become in a negative uh, habit. You develop a negative habit. And oftentimes we call those addictions. You're in bondage to that thing. The sin could be anything. It could be a chemical addiction, alcohol, uh, smoking, drugs. It could be sexual sins. It could be anger. 
attitudes. It could be overeating. It could be gambling. It could be the occult. It could be hatred. It could be jealousy, gossip, worry, greed. I mean, there's an endless list of sins, and you can be in bondage to any of those sins in your life. Now, sometimes we just think, oh, it's the bad ones, but you can be in bondage to any of those sins. If you repeat a behavior over and over that you know is sin, then you are in bondage. You need Jesus to set you free. Oftentimes, you're going to need somebody else to stand with you in prayer, somebody else to be accountable to, to achieve lasting freedom. And that's one of the places where our life groups are so valuable that you can even share a problem with them that you're having difficulty with. And they can pray for you and help you be free. And so this morning, if there's a particular bondage in your life, you know you're struggling with, maybe nobody else knows. We're going to pray in a few minutes all together, and I'd encourage you to pray with me because Jesus wants to set you free. At the end of the service, we'll also have individual prayer. And I'd encourage you to come up for prayer as well. What you tell the person praying for you, be confidential. We'll pray, and Jesus wants to set you free. Your freedom is worth staying at the end of the service for a few minutes. And sometimes people, you know, there's a number of people come forward, and they have to wait a few minutes. Oh, I can't wait. Well, if you're not any more serious about asking from God and getting your answer, then you're probably not going to get your answer. If you want to wait a few minutes, we will leave before everybody who comes forward is prayed for because God wants you to be free. God is able. He's willing to set you free. And so today, we've looked at how to live in God's protection. When you sin, you remove yourself from God's protection. You have big chinks in your armor. When you're in bondage to sin, you're setting yourself up for serious damage from the enemy. And so we've learned today how to respond to temptation God's way. Fix your thoughts on God. Each and every day, submit your body to God as an instrument of righteousness. Choose to forego the temporary pleasures of sin for the eternal rewards of obeying Jesus Christ. For those who are in bondage to some area of sin, God has the power and he desires to set you free. He desires to rescue you this morning. Repent of your sin, ask God to set you free, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God is there for you. This morning, if you're not sure you're a believer, then you are a sitting duck for Satan. It's only as believers that we come under God's protection. To become a believer, you pray a simple prayer. You admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things, and you ask for God's forgiveness. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, took your punishment for your sin upon himself, that you might be forgiven and set free. And finally, you commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can't just Ask Jesus to save you when go on doing what you want to do. He must be your Savior and your Lord. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. If you're not sure you're a believer here this morning or you want to recommit your life to Him. You know, as a believer, you can wander away from God. As a believer, you can begin to dabble in sin and become in bondage in different areas. And God 
If that's you this morning, God is calling you back to himself. God wants you to walk in freedom with him. He wants you to walk with him each and every step of each and every day. And so I encourage you, if that's you, you made a decision for Christ in the past, but you've wandered away, to pray this prayer as a recommitment of your life to God. Pray something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things, things that I knew were wrong, and I, I take responsibility for that. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, and rose from the dead three days later. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Savior and Lord. What you tell me to do, I will do. In Jesus' name I pray. And for those who are believers this morning, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for how Jesus showed us to pray and how Jesus showed us to live in the Lord's Prayer. Help us to overcome the temptations that come in our lives by keeping our thoughts on good things, by keeping our thoughts on godly things. We offer today our minds and our bodies to you. We consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Help us, God, to see the temporary pleasures of sin and resist them as we look to the eternal rewards of following you. And God, today, for those who are in bondage to various sins, we thank you that you are able to rescue them. We thank you that you are willing to set them free. And so today, we repent of any and all sin in our lives, God. Please forgive us. In the areas we've yielded to Satan's temptation over and over again, we ask that you set us free, God, from slavery to sin, free to become slaves of righteousness, free to serve you. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that he must flee as we do that. God set each and every person here free to serve you in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.